Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Would you please open your Bible? She's cool. I... I Every time I hear a baby, I'm reminded of 10 years ago when there weren't any babies in this room. And I'm grateful that that is a sound that we have in this church. Right? Uh, I'm very grateful for that. It is is not distracting for me, and I I know it's not distracting for you. That's life, right? And honestly, it, it, it resembles our soul. Our soul really deeply desires something greater than ourself. And we will, we will search and we will search and we will turn over stones until we find it. And we will not find it in the world. We will find it in, in God himself. And so would you, would you open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter, chapter 9. And uh, we're going to begin at verse 51. Luke chapter 9. Verse 51, and really we're just going to look at verse 51, because there's a lot there. And uh, is Brendan back there? Could he put that scripture up on the screen? Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you, man. Just click on that scripture. It'll be on the screen if, if you don't find it. And... Hey, it worked. <laughs> Let's try it again. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> As the time approached for him, for Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I'll just continue. That, this won't be up there, but I'll continue for the context. As he sent messengers ahead, on ahead, he went... Uh, who went to, into a Samaritan village to get things ready uh, for him. But the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, <laughs> this is really funny, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> My goodness. They've been with Jesus for quite some time. And you really think Jesus is going to do that? Probably not. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on, went to the, another village. But back to verse 51, and that's where I want us to land today. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. There is nothing more convincing than conviction. I was flipping through the TV one day, and I was in the channels of PBS, and I landed on this station, and it was 
not by coincidence, but I landed at the right time because there was a man that was being interviewed, and I don't know what he was being interviewed for, but those were the words he said. There is nothing more convincing than conviction. And I thought, whoa, that's a powerful statement. There's nothing more convincing than when you and I, we wrestle, we struggle, and we internalize a belief. But I think there's nothing more powerful and convincing than the conviction that your life has a greater purpose than yourself. There's nothing more convincing than conviction. See, you and I were not designed to live small lives. You are not designed to live a small life. And by the way, living your truth is the smallest life you can live. Why? Because you're only living by what you understand about you. You're not taking into account the uniqueness of everyone else's design by a creator. You're not taking into account the fact that there is a truth well beyond you, much greater than who you are. And you're not taking into account that that truth is not merely an intellectual understanding, but that truth is a person. And that's Jesus. We're not designed, you are not designed to live a small life. You were created on purpose for a purpose and many purposes. I think we get too locked in. What am I supposed to do with my life? What is that one thing? More than we can ever think or imagine. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of purposes. If you're living just your truth, I want to encourage you to look beyond yourself. To look beyond what's inside of you. To look outward. See, purpose allows us, empowers us, to be in the present and to live the present. Because, again, there's nothing more convincing than conviction. In this moment, as time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus understood very clearly that he had a mission in mind. That he was brought here and born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth for very clear purpose and intention. That his life had a very clear line of when it will end. In fact, he was having a conversation with his disciples as they were walking and they found, they, they came across a man who had been born blind. 
They were asking a curious question about, you know, why was this man blind? Was it his parents' fault? Did they sin? Was it his fault? Did he sin? And Jesus clarified the, the answer that this was for the glory of God, that the glory of God could be shown. And in that moment, Jesus really focused in on, as it is still daylight, I must continue to do the work of the one who sent me, because night is coming. See, John actually rephrases Jesus' statement. When he's having a conversation and kind of put into a corner with his, with his mom. See, they were invited to a wedding. This is, this is John chapter 2. Jesus and his mom and some of his disciples were invited to a wedding. And in that, at, that, at that celebration, they ran out of wine. And his mom comes over because mom wants to make sure that the party keeps going, the celebration keeps going, because this wedding and this marriage is really important. And he says, she says, do, she looks at the service and says, do what he tells you to do. And Jesus, Jesus says, woman, mom, my time has not yet come. And over the course of the gospel of John, John picks up on that. And he, he says repeatedly that it was not his time. Because his time has not yet come. And then like a light switch on the wall, it's flipped in John chapter 13. And John says, Jesus knew that the time had come. Whether you're 14, 15, or 90, you have no idea What's going to happen tomorrow? You have no clear indication that you will be here tomorrow. I have no clear indication that I will be here tomorrow. I really hope so. I like living. But as Dennis Lee often says, today's a good day to die. But I like to add to that. Today's a good day to live, right? Your time and my time are short. Jesus understood that his time to be taken up to heaven was short. And Luke says Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. What does that mean? It said his face was steadfast. Well, I'm a sports guy. I know not too many people are sports ball people, but it's, it's kind of like that moment where Kobe Bryant or, or Michael Jordan, for those of you that are LeBron James fans, they're, they're, at, they're in that moment where they're, they call it the zone. They have this look on their face of determination that they are in, they're elevated and operating at their optimal level. I kind of equate that to Jackson Pollock or Picasso or maybe even Michelangelo where they're creating their masterpieces and you can see it in their eyes that they're trying to take what's in their head and put it out on the canvas. Their eyes are squinting and they're, they're measuring the canvas and they're looking at all that they've already done. 
and they want to make it perfect. It's that author who's, who's typing away at their Pulitzer Prize winning book. And they have no concept of the world around them at that moment. They're just completely focused. At this point in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus' face was steadfastly focused on Jerusalem. Because Jesus understood that his time was coming to an end. And that he was going to give his life for all of humanity. Now all the important things that we do in our life. This is the one moment that changed the entire world. We were never designed to live small lives. You were never designed to live a small life. There's nothing more convincing than conviction. In this moment, Jesus was holding his conviction in his eyes. The eyes are a lamp to the soul. And you can see that he understood his destination. He had an appointment with his destiny. So that all of us could have a destination with the Lord. Now, every Sunday, we come in here, and I often will say, well, every Sunday now, I say, we are love people loving people to Jesus Christ, right? It's a decorative statement of who we are. It, it tells us of our direction. It determines our direction. It determines the identity that this group of people have. It's the hill on which we die on. It is our conviction that I am convinced of. That we are loved people, loving people to Jesus. Now, whether this is your first time in or you've been here for a long time, this is who we are. Yeah, you can put it up there. You got it? You got it? You got it? It's on there. Whoa, there it is. I'm not seeing it back there. My bad. <laughs> it didn't work. There it is. Cool. Six words. That are our starting point. Six words that are our measure, measurement. Six words that are our focus. Six words that set our face like flint. Six words that tell us who we are, but also peel off what we don't do. If you look behind it, you'll see some very important things. Yes, this is our mission statement, but what does it mean? We are loved people. Yet while we were still sinners, God loved us. He first loved us despite our state, despite our heart. Despite our propensity to sin, yet while we were still sinners, he loved us. Loved people. 
This is expressing the heart of God from the beginning of creation all the way through to when Jesus comes back. Loved people. That you were formed and fashioned by the hand of God with the image of God within you as an expression of the Creator's heart. Loved people. And because of that love, we love people. Because that love of God has washed all the way to the core of who you are, you are compelled and moved to love those in front of you. He first loved us that we may love. To Jesus. See, there's a lot of, a lot of organizations that do love people. But we have an unapologetic agenda. We want to bring people to Jesus Christ. Because it is, John even says, this is love. That Jesus sacrificed himself for the atonement of our sins, for the cleansing of our hearts and our souls. That we can look for an example of love from Jesus. We can look at the example of how to love by Jesus and how he loved the marginalized and the outcasts and the impoverished, the looked over, and even the religious elite because he did die for those that were steeped in religion that became a condemning religion. We are love people loving people to Jesus. In that, we not only see all of those aspects, but we see the summation of the entire scripture of the Old Testament. Jesus was questioned one day. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love people loving people to Jesus. Right before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, there were about 500 gathered, watching, ready for him to ascend. They didn't know what was about to happen. And he gave his last words. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. In other words, love people, loving people to Jesus. And at that point, he became like Neil Armstrong, astronaut Jesus. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's coming back. You have been entrusted with a mission. You've been entrusted with a life that's designed to not be small, but to live large, greater than yourself, beyond your truth, mirroring the one who is the actual truth. So here's the question. Why, why do we continue to repeat this each and every week? 
Why do we say this statement over and over and over again? Chris, can, can, can I borrow you? There, there's something about human beings. This is Chris, if you don't know who Chris is. This is Chris. Say hi, Chris. <laughs> now, can you pull that bottom bucket? There we go. All right. Yeah, you're going to hold that. And you're, you're going to need to hold it, hold it here in a minute. But we, oh yeah, this bucket resembles, as you can see, our vision and our mission, right? We are a love people loving people to Jesus. That is our mission statement. That is who we are, as you've clearly heard me say. And each and every Sunday, we come in here. And actually, if you look on our website, it's there. If you look on our paperwork, it's there. Because what we want to do, what we desire to do, is to fill you. with that vision and that mission. Because honestly, Proverbs tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Collectively, that's what the statement says. However, where you do not have vision, where you do not have mission, your life becomes a little chaotic. If your face is not resolutely set on a mission, you internalize chaos. But why do we repeat this? I'm going to need you to hold it very strongly. Here, two hands, right center. Yep, we're going to try this. I didn't, I didn't practice this, obviously. You ready? It's going to be over the... Why? Do you repeat this? You leak. I leak. Oh, keep leaking, my friend. <laughs> well, and every week, we understand that you leak. And we got to continue to fill you. We got to continue to fill you with the vision and the mission of who we are. It determines our direction. It determines our destination. It determines our destiny. It determines our actions and our choices. But you leak. I leak. We all leak. We also leak our identity. Have you ever been distracted in life? No, not you. Not while you're driving. Not while you're working. Not while you're trying to understand things, right? We have this tendency to easily become distracted from our direction, don't we? In fact, I recently learned that there's studies out there that, that show if you are on a deep level of thinking, you're really focused in on something and you're trying to create it and you've, you've really moved yourself into a deep level of thinking and you get distracted, it actually takes you about 20 minutes to get back to that same level of deep thinking. We leak. We leak vision. We leak mission. We also leak who we are because 
We are open-loop creatures, constantly absorbing things around us. Whether it's people, whether it's messages, we absorb a lot of things that move us away from who we are and whose we are because we leak. In fact, if you're not reminded of who, you, who we are, after about 20 to 8 days, you forget it because we leak. When you leak, you don't live. Our objective is to be people who pour. Thanks, man. We're just going to whoop. Thank you. Appreciate you. Can we thank him? That was a lame applause. Come on. No, I'm just... I knew it. It had to be Nathan. Folks, there's, there's so many things that get at us. That causes us to leak. We need to be reminded of who we are. And you need to be reminded of who you are and whose you are constantly. I was reading, uh, I'm a part of a, a group uh, of pastors on our district, including our district superintendent, reading this book called Built um, to Beat Chaos. And the author, I don't want to speak ill will here. The author was talking about the fact that we have a purpose, right? And he mentions about an apple. He starts talking about an apple. Now, how many of you currently have apples in your crisper or in your house? Okay, many of you. Now, this is a nice honey crisp. You know, they're delicious, right? This is, this is stored up energy, waiting to be consumed by you so that you can live, right? Stored energy, expended energy so that you can live. It's juicy to hydrate you. The skin is fiber, allows you to move, right? However, how many of us, whether it's on the counter or in the crisper, Leave the apple there a little bit too long. It starts to soften. Then it starts to get mushy. And then it starts to get rotten. Now, normally, what do we do with that rotten apple? We toss it, right? Did it ever occur to us, as we're tossing that apple, that the apple did not fulfill its purpose. Stored up energy, you, you eat it, you chew it, it gets digested, you're able to live life, right? It was created for a purpose. But it never occurs to us that that rotten apple still has a purpose. Did it ever occur to us that that naturally happens in nature? The apples, well, that went really well. The apple falls from the tree, and it rolls away, and it sits there on the ground 
staring at me, mocking me. You can't catch. Um, but does it ever occur to us that that apple that's on the ground itself will rot? It will become mushy. But it still has a purpose. Because what does it contain within it? Seeds. Many of us are convinced. Many of us are convinced that our purpose has passed us by. Or that we pass by it. Or that our consequences because of our sin have disqualified us from our purpose. Whether it's indifference or apathy, whether it's trauma or tragedy, whether it's abuse or abandonment, whether it's inadequacy that we believe we're not enough, many of us are convinced that the purpose or purposes that we were to have for our life have passed us by and they're no longer within our reach and our grasp. We think that we are rotten, that we have been wasted, and we're waste. However, God has put within you still the seeds of potential and purpose. Your life is still of value. Whether you see yourself as rotten or not. You were still meant to live a large life. Amy and I don't have a backyard. We have a parking lot. And this past fall, she showed me some property. We weren't looking for anything. It's 2.6 acres, trees nothing else just trees and grass in the country and so we looked at it and we prayed didn't pray too long it kind of made sense and so we purchased 2.6 acres just south of Bodkins and it's just we call it our backyard because you know we have a parking lot it's our respite from downtown because there's a lot of stuff going downtown and so this past fall we we went out and did some clearing of the land as best that we knew how because we don't know what we're doing it's okay um, life has a way of revealing that we're amateurs it's great and so on a Friday we were just out there for hours pulling in dead things and piling them up and burn pile pyromaniac for the moment. It's great. But, you know, that voice, Smokey the Bear, is in the back of your head. Only you can prevent forest fires. It just naturally there. So, you know, buckets of water. I took buckets of water and just drenched the pile and stirred it up. And we came back the next morning. And there was ash everywhere. And I, we started to work again. And I could feel the, the ground was still just rich with heat. Everything was ash except this small little piece of wood. 
that was, the smoke was rising to run with the wind. And so we started piling everything up. And Friday, I used a fire starter. But that day, I thought, you know, let's see what happens. I wanted to break it open, see if I could start it with just that little piece of smoking ember. It looked like coal. So I took my rake and I just started to break it, try, trying to break it open. After about two or three minutes, eventually that, that piece of wood just opens up. And the oxygen gets into it. And it took no time. The whole thing is up in flames and it was awesome. I just kind of stood there really proud. I was like, yeah, I caused that. There was still potential energy in the smoking piece of what looked like coal now. What needed to happen was it needed to be broke open. Oxygen needed to be put into it. You're not meant to live a small life. You're meant to live a life larger than yourself, larger than your truth. You're meant to have a vision and a mission, a purpose and intention. But for that to happen, you need to allow God to break you open and expose the inside of you. And let his breath breathe into you and ignite something in you that has never existed before in your entire life. Now, if you don't have a vision or a mission, we got one for you. May it become your conviction. And may it open up something even greater. For you specifically. But today, I'm asking that you let God break you open. I'm asking that you allow Him to look inside of you. You're not done. You're not wasted. You're not waste. You're not rotten. Oh man, the seeds of purpose are in you because God put it in you. You were his passion. Why was he resolutely set for Jerusalem? Because of you. Because of you. And he allowed himself to be broke open to ignite that in you. Jesus, today, Today could be that moment for someone. I don't know what, what belief they have about themselves. If they think it's been passed by, if that hope in a future no longer exists. I know it does. I know it's there. You know it's there. You are convinced that it's there. I'm convinced that it's there.
we are designed for something greater than ourselves. And today, I ask Jesus that we break our hearts open. We allow you to break it open, to reveal what's inside of us. And may those seeds, may that potential energy ignite and grow to a passion and a purpose and a, a destiny that we are convinced by our conviction, by our belief that we are so much more than we think we are. May that happen inside of each human being in this room so that we collectively and individually are loved people who love people to Jesus, to you, because we have been utterly transformed and we're transfixed, that our eyes are, are fixed on the author and the perfecter the founder and the finisher, the alpha and the omega, Jesus Christ himself. Oh, how you bring meaning, how you bring significance, because you've put it in us, Lord. And we look to you as our example. You were resolute, but you were also resilient. You were so focused. You were so focused on the purpose and on the mission, on the cross. God, I pray that we take a look at our life and we allow it to be in your hands. And that there is nothing that will stop us. That there is, we are driven by ambition, by something much greater than ourselves. Something that we can't even necessarily see in material world. But it's in our heart. It's in our soul. It's in our spirit. And it's connected to you. And it's connected to people. It's connected to humanity. And it's connected to eternity. May we break ourselves open. May we allow your hands to just do some damage to open us up. Today, if that's you, in this spirit of prayer, in this moment of prayer, as we're, we're having this conversation, I want to talk directly to you. I don't know where you are, but you do. So does God. If you know that you need broken open and you want God to do it, this is that moment. And I'm asking you to say, a, to, to speak to the Lord a very simple prayer that comes from your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. I give it to you. Break me open. Reveal my inside. Jesus, I give you my life. I hand it over because you gave your life over. Break me open and ignite me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. I believe you are who you say you are, the Son of God. I give you my life, Jesus. And I believe that you rose from the dead, that you can bring dead things to life. Jesus, I give you my life. If you had that conversation with the Lord in whatever way. 
and you meant it sincerely. Would you just lift up your head and make eye contact with me and just raise your hand, please? See you. Praise God. Jesus, you are at work. You're an artist at work. Creating a new. What we once believed was wasted and a waste. Thank you for transforming our life. Thank you for bringing lives back to you. You do such beautiful work, God. Help us rise up from the ashes and become flames in our world. Illuminating the way to the Lord. And may we as a body of Christ be reminded of who we are each and every week. May the vision not leak. May the mission not leak. May it be poured and be restored. I love you, Jesus, and I, I entrust you with us. May we be fruitful. May our lives be fruitful for the kingdom of God. May we do good May we step in the gap. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we ask this morning. Amen. Can we give God praise? Praise that he's doing a work. Praise him. Yeah. Yeah. Would you please stand? Would you please stand? Each week we start with we are love people, loving people to Jesus. And each week we end with... The scripture, the command, the summation, our mission, love people. Well, would you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? And will you love your neighbor as yourself? Please go be love people, loving people to Jesus this week. We'll see you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.